for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Here we are live from the uh, National Homebrewers Conference 2009 in Oakland, California. What a fantastic time it has been, eh? Hey, John? It sure has. I love being here. (laughs) You love being here? I love being here, too. I love seeing all our Bruin brothers and sisters gathered around. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people I recognize, people I've just met this time. Uh, You know, Joseph, I just met him this year. There's a very disturbing sight. We got Blobber and uh, Brew Tattoo handcuffed together. Uh, nice rhinestone uh, handcuffs there. I think you guys ought to just uh, hold hands the whole time. That that really would really that would be creepy. Yeah, Blobber. That that would be creepy. Um, yeah, you know, I, I met all sorts of new people, new faces, uh, people who are willing to walk from Bart all the way to uh, more beer and back. Uh, he, and his wife even went with him. You know, oh, now that's that's, that's a heck a good of a, that's a heck of a walk <laughs> from one to the other. I don't know if you you've done that, but that's a serious one. I see my good friend Peter, and uh, you know, like, we got all sorts of Andrew. You know, I, I see a lot of my Johns uh, have been in, are here in the crowd. Very nice. Uh, I see the annoying uh, brother pair that uh, yeah. gives me a lot of crap every year, but uh, <laughs> I, I actually like those guys. They're actually they make me laugh like you wouldn't believe. And, uh, you know, there's a few BN shirts out there, and uh, I see some great cans looking very nice. <laughs> very nice. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, this, show, this show is going to be one of our uh, Brewing Network uh, Brew Strong live Q&A shows. Yes, this will so. be, this will be uh, a much our, our really true interactive show. We're... we're we're going to be able to see the people asking us the questions, you know. What? Yeah, that's really important with this crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really like to see, you know, all the beer bellies and uh, what have you, you know. A few kilts in the room, uh, things like that. It's like, yeah, 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 that really somehow enhances it, I guess. Uh, well, and, and if you do have a question, there's a couple of ways you can get your question uh, on the air. One is uh, the beautiful the beautiful Bevo with the uh, the great cans shirt on uh we'll uh hand out a a a slip of paper and you can uh, write down your question you won't have to go on the air just put your question your first name on there or uh the lovely schumann over here he uh, has a microphone you can go ahead and get on the air and uh ask your question live Uh, so if you got a question go ahead and start uh, queuing up uh the beautiful bevo or the somewhat uh gorgeous uh schumann so what's your favorite part of the conference been john well, yeah, I, I always like one of the seminars. I mean, um, it, and in fact, it always it always puzzles me when people say, "Well, you know, they're going to come to the conference and not go to the seminars." Maybe, maybe that's just me being the beer nerd that I am. But uh, I, I really like listening to you know all this new information, different points of view on all these the diverse topics that they have here. Um, you know, Dr. Michael Lewis this afternoon gave a, a really interesting talk on. 
uh, use of multiple strains of yeast. Right. And he was fantastic, too. Yeah. I tell you, that, that guy's brewing network material. He is so funny. Yeah. He was great. And then, Char- and then Charlie Bamforth, too. Uh, yeah. Afterwards, yeah. that was that was fun. Bamforth is awesome, also. He, we were hoping he could join us and, uh, uh, you know, help do the uh, live Q&A, but... Uh, well, you know, he's, he's, he's in high demand. Uh, both those guys are. Yeah. So uh, we're, I, I'm not sure they'll be able to show up or not. Yeah. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the thing I love about this conference is getting to uh, you know, meet the people, getting a chance to see a lot of my buddies that I've, I've met over the years. You know, uh, if oh, yeah. I met you for the first time this year, you know, uh, next year it's like, hey, my old brother, you know, and we'll, we'll have a lot of fun. Like the annoying brothers from... Uh, yeah, whatever state it is. Right, right, right. Well, and it, was, it was Orlando, and I hear it's Pro Brewers Night, and I'm there to have a good time. And, and what happens? But these two two guys, like, corner me, and, and you listen to them pick on you, and it is in stereo. These guys are giving me crap in stereo. It's left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And they... <laughs> just go on and on, but they're but they're fantastic. They they you know a couple of passionate brewers are really interested in, in, in making great beer. Not that they're they're to that point yet, but uh, <laughs> you know they uh, they have an interest in it, and it, it really shows. So uh, you know I I really love that about them. You know they're they're, they're good guys. They really are. And uh, this year I think they they only called me asshole like twice maybe instead of oh, that's a every other word. So. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. I uh, I had a lot of fun chatting with them at uh, again Pro Brewers Night. They they accosted me and uh, clearly they're following me around now. So uh, you know, but it's but all right. That's good true. Guys. I mean, every year you know you see so many familiar faces from years past and can't remember the names all the time. But uh, yeah. it, it it's always it's always great coming back and seeing all, all these friends. I mean, a, th- a thousand friends. To, you know, catch up with them from years past and see what everybody's been up to. Well, I think one of the uh, Reasons that uh, a company like More Beer would donate two sculptures to uh, this, uh, you know, event is, uh, you know, they they have a real love for these guys too. You oh, yeah. know, it's not it's not because they think they're going to all of a sudden sell a whole bunch of more sculptures. Yeah. It's like, it's hey, not you know, because they're they're just down the block anyway. Right, they're going to give give a little bit back and uh, you know, or a lot back. And uh, I'll tell you, More Beer has done more for this conference than uh, most of you folks will know. Uh, you know, things from uh, making sure the commemorative beers got from uh, uh, Southern California up to here. You know, they paid for that. Uh, the, uh, uh, the map, the really nice map uh, that went out that Dave Blank of uh, Bay Area Mashers made for the conference. Oh, yeah, that, uh, you know, More Beer paid to have that printed. You know, you, a lot of little things like that. They, they really uh, came through any time. We couldn't find somebody to take care of something, somebody to sponsor something. More Beer jumped right in. And, and one of the things they've done is sponsored a uh, brewing sculpture for the Brewing Network to give away. Now, uh, listeners uh, had till uh, midnight uh, last night to uh, get in on the, uh, the uh, raffle. But if you are here at the conference, you can go ahead and uh, get some raffle t- tickets right now. We are going to be raffling off this beautiful uh, brew sculpture. You see in that photo right there? That's going to be uh, uh, raffled off tonight at uh, club night. So you only got a few, a couple hours to get in on that raffle, buy some tickets. The, you know, it goes to a good cause. The Brewing Network keeping us on the air, and uh, 
You can get yourself a real nice sculpture. And then down right here at the uh, More Beer booth, they've got another that you can uh, get in on that raffle. That that one uh, is going to be raffled off tonight as well, uh, Justin, I believe. That's uh, going to go out uh, same time at club night? That's right. We'll, do it, uh, we'll probably do it right after More Beers, and you don't have to be present to win. And uh, it's a, I can't believe those guys. It's a beautiful uh, stainless steel stand, B3-1000. Yeah. It was 10 bucks a ticket here. A lot of people hummed That's and hawed. That's a $2,300 brew system. Right. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but it's a $10 ticket for a $2,300 And I don't, I, think there's, I don't think there's been that many entries that uh, I wouldn't uh, pony up a, a few tickets myself. There wasn't yeah. too many. Uh, if you don't count am the I, 30 or 40 of my own that I put in, there I'm wasn't not, too I'm many. I'm not allowed to win, though, am I? No. Uh, other than me, no employees or family members of the Brewing Network may enter. Nice. I, I, I appreciate that uh, restriction there. Yeah. Thanks, thanks very much. Yeah, I had John Palmer's wife calling. Can I get in? <laughs> no, sorry. No family either. Yeah. No. Did my kids call? Uh, they did not. You no. know, Father Day's coming up. So. It's uh, sa- Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Well, there's going to be a Father's happy Day. daddy somewhere, I hope. <laughs> well, yeah. I get home <laughs> Just, and, you know. <laughs> and it's going to be Jamil. And then someone's going to win the sculpture, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Give it away tonight. Absolutely. Well, and uh, let's get into our Q&A uh, here. I think, uh, you know, uh, the crowd here, make sure you've, you're getting your questions in, either to the, the lovely Bevo over here. You know, asking a question uh, is, is really a worthwhile way to get to be real close to Bevo for a little while. So, it's half uh, the fun. That's, that's, I would imagine people are going to be swarming that avenue of uh, asking questions. And uh, if you prefer the lovely Schumann, if you if you swing that way, Schumann's over here, and uh, microphone you can get live on the air and uh, and have your voice uh, transmitted to the many uh, tens of thousands of listeners to this uh, fine show. Which is what we want to hear. We want to hear where you're from too. A lot of folks at home wondering how many people and from all over the place right. come to the NHC. So come over, give your name, tell us where you're from, and yeah. ask away to these guys. Absolutely, and and there's no stupid questions, just. My Stupid people. Oh. Uh, and this is uh, setting a record for the NHC. We got uh, you know over 1,200 people attending this thing. A big record. A big, really amazing. Big, big increase. So uh, this uh, and uh, it's been a huge number of people. Yeah, everyone from far away that's come to the conference. They're all BN listeners. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the, the you know the majority of the people here at the conference are BN listeners. How so amazing is that? Really and a cool. lot of first-time conferencers. I don't right. know if you've noticed, but I always like to ask people, "Is it your first conference?" Right. And I'm telling you, nine out of ten of the people I've asked, yeah, it's my first one. The first one, and they're BN listeners. Yeah. You know, they're not. Uh, it's my first one. I I didn't hear about it from you know something else. They heard about it from the BN. Yeah. <laughs> coming out for the party and all that. It's yeah. Wonderful. Which explains all the things that have been thrown at me walking down the hall. Right. A lot a lot of peanuts. A lot of peanuts have been well, thrown at me, Jamil. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've heard a uh, story of people buying bags of peanuts, and I'm telling you, <laughs> if you're going to do the peanut thing, you better you better be willing to back it up because I'm not, uh, not going to take it lightly. You're going to have to man up and uh, be, be prepared for the battle. Jamil's tougher than he looks. You look like a softie, but uh, you're tougher than you look. I, yeah, I, I get to be freaking insane. <laughs> We're just waiting for you to snap, man. That's right. It's it's coming. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. I mean, the obvious one is JP, but I think you're really the hidden snapper. That's right. You know, I might be the one to to go from, you know, burst a vein in my head and kill all the other people in the in yeah. the room. Yeah. It might be me. Yeah. 
and the brewcaster the first snap. <laughs> I, I, I would love it. I promise you to keep the mics rolling when Jim, when Jim Neal snaps. That's my vow. There you go. That's quality <laughs> brewcasting right there. Yeah. That's, that's professionalism. Great radio. Yeah, you might want to move your chair a little bit. Probably have to play you the tape back, Jamil, because it'll be one of those white light moments where you don't really remember anything right, you've done yeah. or said. I'll play it back for you. Exactly. Yeah. I, I did that. I'll be like, what? Everyone's dead? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Well, I'll listen to the podcast, figure out how, I, how it occurred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Looks we, like, looks like we maybe got a question coming up over right. here already. Yeah. All right, what one, do we got? It's one of my Johns. <laughs> Sweet. Hi, John Samankowitz, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I figured I'd better ask a question and stop y'all from Bibling on. Um, <laughs> Bibling? So uh, I wanted to follow up on something uh, Mr. Foster said earlier about the lecture that uh, Mr. Lewis gave, or Dr. Professor Lewis gave earlier today. Uh, and he was talking about uh, selecting your own yeast or yeast mixtures uh, and, and repitching that over and over for generations to kind of cultivate your own yeast mixture for certain properties. Uh, and he, he talked uh, specifically about, you know, different depth sampling for different things. How else what, might we look to sample yeast for particular characteristics uh, or how could we apply that uh, to uh, things other than, per se, flocculation? Well, you know, uh, temperature... Um, you know, tolerance to alcohol, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he was talking about top cropping, and I think that's what kind of spurred that on. And part of what uh, he was saying was, you know, uh, select, I mean, brew the beer that you want to brew, and then, um, you know, think of the characteristics that you're, you desire. And so, you know, if you're, if, if you're looking for good te- attenuation, then select, you know, the late, you know, flocculating yeast, you know, so you select for at least yeast that will stay in suspension longer. Um, and I guess, you know, that's represent the principles he was saying that, uh, you know, you apply a stress to the system or, or you... you well, know, cons- consistent stress. So yeah, uh, consistent, con- consistent stress that, that uh, uh, selects for the characteristics that you want. So not necessarily uh, try and monkey the system, but... Uh, if you have a great beer and it's turning out, pardon me, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, then you know, keep keep those those same parameters in place. Keep that same selection in place. Keep uh, you know the same you know, fermentation temperature and and you know all those little aspects, uh, you know, pitching rates and all that. Keep that consistent. And what you'll get out of that, you know, uh, you know, you'll 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 start automatically selecting for. The appropriate uh, uh, characteristics and, and that that you'll carry forward. Yeah. I think one other aspect of that is if uh, you know you've you've got you've got a batch of beer that is just the way you want it. Well, mm-hmm. you know if you if you um, let's say you use to get harvest yeast from that batch that you're trying to emulate again, if you only skim you know the top at the beginning of the fermentation or you know the next batch or something. You're only you're you're not going to select the uh, across the whole spectrum of that beer. So much you may want to do is you may want to wait, you know, keep that in a closed system. Wait for all, you know most of the yeast to to flocculate, and then uh, take a take a big scoop of that, swirl it up, and use that for your start. Because now you've got a cross a cross section of both the the early you know flocculating, the late mm-hmm. flocculating. You've got a more representative sample of that beer you're trying to, you know, right. um, be consistent with. Okay. Well, thanks, John, for popping the question, Cherry. I think we'll take a short break, and when we come back, uh, you know, we got some more questions coming in. Schumann had a, a very important question. If we, I think yes. it's important enough to do before the break. Oh. Okay. Um, my name is Schumann. I'm from Pacheco. 
And I'm wondering, what's the best way to triple hop a beer? Triple hop a beer. I heard add, that's a new thing. Add lots of hops, I would think, uh, three times, and don't use uh, extracts as uh, you know somebody might triple hop in the commercial field. Yeah. But, uh, you got anything to add to that one, John? I think I'm, I'm you know, thinking of the, uh, the signage in question. I'm wondering if they don't uh, triple hop with extract at each stage. You know, right, right. Ice yeah. tries extract. Triple hopped. I mean, yeah, please. Yeah. Who who out here has not uh, done more with hops than some mega brewery that is claiming triple hopping? Anyone? anyone. <laughs> right. Well, we got Blobber and we got uh, Justin. And uh, Bebo. And Bebo. All right. We'll be back after a short break. Carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Take a listen. Our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. White Labs, your source for maltose mowing monsters, announces the White Labs Platinum lineup for 2009. Looking for out-of-the-ordinary yeast to make the best beer possible? The Platinum strains from White Labs are only available for a limited time and make your homebrew stand out. Through February, find Australian Ale, Essex Ale, and Dusseldorf Alt Yeast. March and April, it's Nottingham Ale, Abbey 4, and Mexican Lager Yeast. And May through June, don't miss Premium Bitter Ale, Belgian Wit 2 and Belgian Bastogne Ale Yeast. Keep up with all the great yeasts in the White Labs Platinum Program at whitelabs.com, where you can also join the White Labs Customer Club. Brew with the freshest and most unique yeast with the White Labs 2009 Platinum Strains. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Is everything ready, Igor? Yes, Doctor. All the preparations have been seen to. Good, good. Soon the whole world will bear witness to my genius. For we are about to breathe life into a creature that once ceased to be and shall be once again. Uh, (laughs) Doctor? Damn it, Igor. Never cut me off mid-laugh. Sorry, but uh, you were getting carried away and I... uh... How dare you! This is the pinnacle of my life's work. Everything my father and grandfather worked for. Everything they... just a conical. You were no fun. You know that? Throw the switch. Just a conical? It's alive! 
scaring up some great deals this month on their very best gadgets, like their carbonating keg lid, stainless steel mash paddle, and their frighteningly durable stainless quick disconnect sets. No matter how you brew, more beer has what you need to reanimate your brewery. Bring your gadgets to life this August at More Beer. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe, and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it, with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're live at the NHC. And uh, we are sponsored by our lovely friends right here next to us, yeah. More Beer. Morebeer.com. Uh, purveyors of fine uh, brewing uh, sculptures and yeah. uh, everything you need to brew great beer. Yeah, the interesting thing is we're in like a uh, sponsor sandwich here. We got uh, you know the love on both sides for oh, yeah. for our multiple shows, man. That's hot. We got the northern love. That's hot. The more love. That's hot. You sound like Paris Hilton. That's hot. That's hot. <laughs> All right. So, uh, questions starting to come in. Make sure if you got a, a question for Bruce Strong, for John and myself, uh, we'll leave Justin out of it. Uh, you know, see the lovely Bevo, who's wandering around. She's got the Great Cans uh, shirt on, and uh, she can uh, take your question. You can write it down. You need, need to get on the air, but uh, you can also get on the air with the lovely Schumann over here. So, next question. Yeah, I've got a question from Steve Q here. Uh, he wants to know, what produces a more fermentable wort? Uh, would that be a thicker mash or a thinner mash? Thinner mash. Yeah, thinner. It's not a, a major difference, though, right, John? No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very fine degree of change between the, the thick mash and the thin mash. It's really, you yeah, know, it's It's after you've exhausted all the other... Main variables like temperature. Temperature is a huge one. Yeah, I mean that. You know, that's when you, if you're going for the extra couple percent of attenuation, that's when you say, okay, I need to thin my mash up, so that you don't, uh, you're not fighting a, a heavy concentration of sugars. I mean, you know, in any in any equilibrium reaction, you know, you're looking uh, for some sort of gradient, and if you have too many sugars left in solution, it's going to be harder for the enzymes to make more. So right. that's why the thinner mash, a little more dilute, works better. But it's you know it's a small variable. All right, with any sort of reasonable range on your on your mass th- thickness, you know pretty much anything between one and two, uh, you know uh, quarts per pound, or uh, you will uh, do just fine. And uh, if you need a, a thicker, thinner mass, just adjust your temperature, and that's probably the the the, the best control point. Uh, you know, use the mash thickness that works really well for your system and, and go from there. Great question, though. 
All right, we've got another question over here. Someone uh, right here in the room. Hello, is this thing on? There you go. Hey, uh, Stephen from uh, Florida Keys, Two Dogs Brewing from the Forum. And, uh, yes, this is my first NHC. Very cool. Um, a very excellent talk by uh, Sean Paxton earlier. And he was talking about uh, adding all kinds of really crazy things to uh, your beer to uh, give it some more complexities and uh, add just adding all kinds of stuff. And he did mention that, of course, you know, brewing to style is, is, is fine. But I was kind of wondering what you two guys, uh, what is uh, some of the craziest things that are most interesting not to style beer that you've done? Pineapple IPA. No. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, last year, about 18 months ago, this is about the only story I have recent brewing for me. But um, I made a Belgian double. Um, based on the recipe and brewing classic styles, I mean, you know, and it, the first part of your question is, you know, what do we take from the style? Well, it's, you know, it's a it's a set of perceptions and qualities in the product that give you know, give you something to work towards. So I brewed a Belgian double, and you know, put my own stamp on it, and started you know a little more of this malt, a little less of that malt, you know, for whatever reason. And um, then after primary fermentation had had stopped. I, I pasteurized and added uh, some concentrated cherry juice to the fermenter. Fermentation started up again, nice pink froth on top. And uh, the, only, the only problem I had is at, the, at that time, I didn't, have, I didn't have good temperature control in the fermentation. I was doing it in the garage, and it had been you know, in the mid-60s all week, and I'm thinking, I'm fine. Well, then, of course, as soon as I started fermenting, it got up to about 90 for the rest of the week. So... The beer turned out a little, little bit hot, a little bit fusely, just a little bit phenolic. I just, I wasn't really pleased with it. Um, now I kind of left it there, and then after NHC that year, I got uh, oak chips from Vinny that you know that had his house house bugs on them. I, you know, opened the keg, threw those in there, and then let that uh, keg age for a year, and it turned into a really wonderful creek. I mean, a nice sour. Uh, beer and uh, so you know you can you can brew the style to get you get you a, a, certain, a starting point and then you can get creative on that same beer too. Yeah, and you don't really have to brew the style. I mean, you brew anything you want, but if you're trying to, uh, if you have a kind of beer or uh, you know some country you've been to and you've enjoyed something, you know, you go ahead and uh, you know pick up a copy of Brewing Classic Styles and, and, and try that out, and maybe it gets you somewhere in the ballpark. And then, like uh, Sean's doing, uh, you know, uh, come up with uh, make make some sort of interesting tincture from uh, you know fruits and uh, spices that you really love and and really kind of develop some sort of tincture and you know spike it or uh, you know do you know be creative it's all right you know and if and if it doesn't work out and you dump a batch of beer oh, what the heck you know it was one batch of beer you you know you can you can go ahead and do that so uh, I think that was a good question and I uh, appreciate you asking that one and uh, don't forget that uh, you can pick up these cards right here they have a, a coupon code on them for our sponsor, uh, More Beer, morebeer.com, and you can get uh, $25 off your next order of $150 or more. That's a pretty good uh, uh, coupon since uh, a lot of you end up buying $150 worth of stuff from More Beer anyway. So, uh, you know, know if I you do. get a chance, come up and pick these up right here at the, uh, the Brewing Network Central here at the NHC. Next question. All right, another question right here. John Jamil, my name's Kevin. I live in Lake Tahoe. Kevin! And, uh, 
So I'm dealing with radical temperature fluctuations ah. on a daily, no matter what the season is. Right, right. I, yeah, I have a real, real hard time. I don't have a cellar. I don't have anything. It gets even hot in close. the day and gets real cold. And so night. temperature control is tough. And um, I think I'm actually going down a different road. Uh, You've been drinking, Kevin. Maybe I've been drinking a bit. Uh-huh. That's all right. <laughs> hey, when you're when you're mashing in and you uh, and you don't hit your strike temp and you end up mashing in a little hot, like say one. Uh-huh. 65, uh-huh. 70. Yeah. Um, what sort of effect does that have on ma- on starch conversion enzyme activity? Right. If you bring it down, if you correct it, if you get some cold water in there and you bring it down to what you were targeting, 150-ish. That's an excellent question. And there's a couple of things. One is that uh, you know, if you come in way too high and you have... Uh, uh, you know, kind of killed your enzymes and your in your malt. Uh, you can drop the temperature down, scatter in a, you know another half pound or pound of uh, pale malt, you know, or you know two row or whatever you have, your whatever your base malt is. Yeah, your gravity might be a little higher, but that's okay. And what's going to happen is those uh, enzymes will be enough to convert the mash. It may take a little bit longer, but uh, you know those enzymes they're like keys. You don't use a key once and and then the lock does you know the key doesn't work in the lock anymore. Uh, you know you can use a key endlessly, and uh, you know same thing on the mash. So if you get you know just a little bit of uh, extra grain in there and you get your temperature down to the proper range, you'll be okay. Hmm. Now if you just came in a bit high. Um, you know, yeah, really, it's going to work out okay. <laughs> yeah, beta, beta amylase. I mean, is the one you're concerned about, but it you know it, it has like half lives as far as you know this denaturing temperature. So even if you're at uh, 170 for five minutes, ten minutes, you know, before you can get that cooled down, uh, you still have plenty of beta amylase left. It's um, it's it's not all dead. I mean. Uh, in my book, I, I talk about one. I mean, one data point as far as how much of the, uh, the beta is left after an hour at you know, this temperature or whatever it was. So, um, so you telling them to read the book? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I knew you would use this book as an excuse to not do the show not anymore. To do show. I wrote where, where the where book so I don't before. have to remember all this stuff. I, I have a quick, <laughs> you know, follow-up question because based on the book and and what you've said, Palmer, you always you have me all freaked out about the amount of time if I mess up my temperature. So if you come in high like that, I mean, how much time do I have to get it to the temperature I wanted it to to, to cool it down? Because you guys are talking about how quickly some of these enzymes can change. Yeah, well, it's temperature dependent. I mean, it's 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 a very temperature time related thing. I guess I think the data point I had was maybe uh, 10 degrees over. Yeah. And you still had um, what, 15% viability left after half an hour. Okay. So, I mean, you got... Okay. Lots of time. It's it's. I mean, you have some time. You yeah. know, but the part of the thing is, it's not that quick and easy to change the temperature of a large volume of mash because there is a lot of uh, heat capacity there, and uh, getting it to swing, you're going to need to introduce quite a bit of cold water to get that start to start to swing. So, yeah. uh, it, it can be tricky, but it's okay. I mean, don't freak out about it uh, <laughs> because. Uh, don't freak out about it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy's walking by giving us the look like, uh, what the heck like, is what going the on heck in here? Is gonna, you know. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. It's live. It's live radio. I look, I look back. That's all I did. Come on, Jack. I just look back. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can... Uh, 
Oh my God! Yeah. You, it's a robust process. Don't get <laughs> right. don't get really strung out about the time. Right. Don't don't freak out about it too much. Yeah, you know things like that may happen, but uh, you know it's still going to make beer. It's very uh, difficult to totally screw up making work. Okay, the the enzymes. Well, want we are to, talking about Justin here. We the enzymes want to right. convert those uh, starches uh, to sugars. It you know it it wants to to create sugar. It wants to reach the right pH. It wants to uh, yeah. It may not be perfect, but it's pretty hard to to really mess it up if you're just anywhere in the general vicinity. And that's one of the things about the mini mashing. You wrote the mini mashing section in uh, Brewing right. Classic Styles, and. Uh, you know, it's a pretty forgiving uh, technique. You know, just throw some grain in there, hold it around the, the right temperature for the right amount of time. Lift and, the bag you know, out. And if you're too, too quick or too late, ah, who cares? It's going to be fine. It's going to convert to sugar. That's really what you're looking for uh, in, in a, a mash of any kind. And, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you want it, uh, you know, uh, some more long-chain sugars. Maybe you want, uh, you know, more short-chain sugars. That's okay. You know, next batch, you'll 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 do it better. It's yeah. okay. Don't 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 freak out about it. Did you have a follow up to that? As a general rule, it's better to mash in a little low and bring it up than it is to mash in a little hot and try to get it down. Yeah. Or does it really make well, that big of a difference? I, well, I think if if your if your target temp is say, you know, one fifty, I'd rather come in at one forty eight, one forty nine than one fifty four. If your target temp is 160, let's say we did the Lagunitas uh, with their uh, Lagunitas uh, IPA, you know, that's like 160, 162. I'd rather come in a little bit high, 163, you know, rather than, you know, 155. So, uh, you know, I, I, that, that kind of thing. But again, a couple of degrees, not the end of the world. You're really not going to notice it, even on the Clone Brews show we do. You can miss, you know, your original gravity by ten points. You're still okay. We proved that. So there's a there's a lot of flexibility in the system. All right, we had another question. question over here on the microphone. Hi guys, my name's Chris from Rockland, California. Hey um, Chris. Hi, how you doing? Um, I have a general question. I'm not sure. Well, we'll see how this goes. Um, I entered a Kolsch in the first round of the NHC. And I got some feedback, really good feedback from the judge. She said she detected kind of a sulfury aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked it up. After, after, I hadn't noticed it before she pointed it out. Um, after she did, I picked it up in some of my other really light beers. Right. She thought it might be chlorine-related. Um, nah, not sulfur. Any ideas where else I might look to kind of try to get rid of that problem? All right. So, so if, if it's truly sulfur, there's a, a couple of sources of sulfur. I'll talk about one, and John will probably give you ten. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the main ones tends to be, uh, uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Chris White earlier today, and uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, going to, I was going to Sierra Nevada, and, and they were using their uh, ale yeast to make a lager, and they were forcing the temperature down, and, and I was asking, you know, why, you know, quite a bit of sulfur would come out. And he said, well, you know, sulfur is, you know, yeasts, often yeast when they're under stress will produce excessive sulfur. So that could be one aspect of it. Now, if you're using, uh, you know, a, a coal yeast or even a lager yeast, it tends to have a bit of sulfur, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, lagers tend to have sulfur, and, and if you're, uh, you know, one of the things to do is get a little more active ferment, and it'll kick that sulfur out. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't think sulfur is chlorine-related. I, I can't see how that connection would be made. It, it, it no. doesn't quite make sense. John, uh, 
Well, the other ten uh, <laughs> avenues of sulfur. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the next most uh, probable one is uh, SMM. You know, uh, DMS. You know, coming out, and especially in a, in a style like Kolsch, where you're brewing with a with a very light pills malt. Um, yeah, you know, unless you get that good, vigorous boil, 90-minute boil, to help drive those precursors off, yeah, you'll have a little bit of sulfur left over. Although, are those really sulfury or more vegetal? Or Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I guess if it's, a, if it's a rotten eggs kind of sulfur smell, I would think that would be more yeast-related um, than, say, the, the corn vegetable, uh, which is, could be you know, more likely a, a DMS. But um, it could it could become from several several sources, but yeah. those are the well, those are the big two, I think. And and, and if uh, you know they were saying uh, you know more phenolic uh, kind of plasticky band aidy something like that, then that that would be chlorine related. Yeah. But that I would not uh, associate phenolics with uh, sulfur. Uh, sulfur. So uh, slightly different thing. Yeah. All right, another question, question over here. Hey guys, uh, I'm Jimmy from Durham, North Carolina. Jimmy, uh, long time listener, first time caller. So uh, uh, out here at the NHC, we've been listening to a lot of the commercial brewers, and they're talking about how they turn around their beers so fast. You know, maybe two weeks for an ale, and you know, I do the the temperature control fermentation and oxygen uh, with the oxygen bottle, and I use my Mister Multi pitching rate calculator. Sweet. And, you know, but. Not that I really want to go that fast, but whenever I try it, it just never seems to work out. Right. You know, I can't get the carbonation right. It just takes a couple of weeks for it to be well, ready. You know, if, if you if you were brewing uh, every day, the same beer every day, you'd you'd figure out how how to start trimming stuff because you'd you'd be like just bored with uh, doing the same thing over and over again. You'd want to like you know eliminate some of those steps and. Uh, you know, go play golf or whatever it might be. Now, one of the things uh, a lot of uh, brewers will do, they'll select a yeast that ferments or flocculates fast. Uh, most of the English ale yeasts will do that. A couple of days, you can go from, uh, uh, you know, and you lower your gravity a little bit, use an English ale yeast, you filter, uh, you know, and you force carbonate. You can get a beer out within under under a week. You know, it's, it's, it's that quick. So the English ale yeast will... We'll ferment something out in a in a few days, and then if you want to, you know, minimize the ester profile, which a lot of the pro brewers are doing with that English ale yeast, um, you know, they'll go to a lower temperature, they'll you know change the pitching rates, things like that, and then uh, you know they'll still knock it out quick, and it flocculates fast, and the beer gets bright real real quick, and uh, matures very quickly. So that's that's one of the keys right there. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> all right. God, I love Thanks, having guys. Palmer on the program. <laughs> yeah. It really adds depth to all the answers Yeah, when he brings his expertise to bear like uh, that. Yes. Uh, all right, I've got another question. That's a good question, though. Thank you. Uh, IP Freely, oh, I get it, wants to ask, uh, what is the oldest beer Jamil or John have uh, placed with in competition? Which I think is a good question because you, I know Jamil. Sometimes you go digging around in your cellar and go, "I'll enter this." What is the oldest beer you've done well with? I, I can't address that question. I haven't entered in a long, long time. John drinks like me. He has no old beer. Right. Uh, for me, um, I'm sure I've placed with uh, in the second round with a six-year-old beer. What kind of beer was that? Do you remember? Oh, you know, it might be a mild or you know a Scottish uh, sixty or. Uh, you know the Southern English Brown. Um, you know the very first Southern English Brown I brewed. It, it, you know, I entered it for a few years and got a, several golds with it. 
And, uh, you know, it was like six years old at, at the time. Uh, not a problem. Were not you a problem storing that cold? Yes. And that's one of the things that uh, Charlie, Charlie Bamforth was, was bringing up. He said, uh, you know, uh, one of the things is, you know, that staling, it uh, happens, you know, the, the, every 10 degrees C that you raise it, it's happening uh, how much faster? Two to, two to three times as fast. Two to three times as fast. So, you know, get, get, get your beer cold and, uh, you know, steady. Have good uh, hygiene and, uh, uh, you know, good yeast health. And your beer will last, you know, yeah. pretty much forever. It's, yeah. it's, it, it ends up uh, stable and steady and you can, you know, it'll be just as good the, the first day. I, I tell the story of uh, the very first robust porter I ever brewed. Uh, one day, like five years after I brewed it, I found one bottle left over, and I took it over to my uh, uh, the guy I call my sensei, my my uh, master of uh, beer judging, uh, Dave Sapsis, and I just you know poured it for him. I said, "Oh, here's a porter I brewed," and he was like, "Oh yeah, that's really good. You know, I like it. It's you know this, that, the other thing. Nothing about uh, staling or oxidation or anything like that or age." I said, uh, "You know, you don't pick up any." He goes, "No, no." He goes, "You know, how long ago did you brew it?" I said, uh, "About five years ago." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, that's just amazing." And it's, uh, I think, a couple of things there. One is, you know, good, good sanitization, you know, good hygiene, yep. good, quality, uh, quality you know, good fermentation, uh, and you know, keeping it cold and steady, and. Uh, also, I think, you know, those dark malts, they tend to, uh, you know, you get a lot of flavor. I think that masks a little bit, uh, will mask some of the off flavors. Right. But also, I think there's kind of a uh, antioxidant type of thing with those, oh, yeah, those uh, highly roasted, uh, highly kiln malts. And that helps uh, stabilize the flavor. So, yeah, you know, something like that, I think it's, it, it, it'll last forever. You know, you, you, 20 years down the road, it's going to be, you know, just fine. Yeah. The um, as Charlie was saying, the you know you take a beer that under normal conditions you know at room temperature would stale within three months. Well, if you chill that down to zero C, you know you going from twenty C or twenty five C down to zero, uh, you can easily increase the shelf life of that beer you know to two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know the the better job you do going into that beer. The longer shelf life it's going to have at cold temperatures. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a short break. When we come back, more of your questions. Step up to Schumann at the mic or beautiful Bevo for uh, writing your questions in. Back after this. Brew right. Brew smart. Brew strong. This is Brew Strong.
BN Army members. Are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Holler Tower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. And Seven Bridges has the best selection in the world. Everything is a click away at breworganic.com. Join the mailing list for special deals and regular updates about new products and specials. They have been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for almost 12 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. Take the National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Enter the competition by October 10th for your chance to win great prizes, including a hands-on brewing experience at an organic brewery, brewing equipment, or organic brewing ingredients. Complete details about the competition are online at breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to worker and people-friendly business practices and environmentally friendly worker-friendly brewing products whenever possible. Visit today, breworganic.com. 
Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're live from the NHC in Oakland, 2009, and this is an all-Q&A show for Brew Strong. We, we've decided that uh, I think every third show is going to be live Q&A. So if you've got questions, you're here in the crowd, step up to the microphone, and, and uh, we can get your questions on the air or see the beautiful Bevo, and she will uh, uh, take your questions. You don't even have to be on the air. Yeah, show us your cues, and we'll give you your the A's. <laughs> Uh, we've got a question over here on the microphone right you, now. You've been drinking, haven't you? <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to All drink right. this. Hey, All right. This is Bob from Cincinnati. Hey, Bob. Uh, Cincinnati Malt and Freezers. Oh. And um, I'm wondering about chilling your wort. Uh, how important is it to chill quickly? And other than capturing you know, aroma hops and preventing your DMS, are there any other benefits? And how important is it to chill in five minutes as opposed to 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Now, there's even, uh, you know, in Australia, they will do this, uh, this uh, cube method where they fill this plastic uh, container with boiling wort, right, to the, to the top. And then they'll seal it up and they'll, you know, turn it around so it sanitizes all the interior surfaces. And then they'll leave it overnight until it chills down all by itself. And then they'll go ahead and pitch their yeast. And, uh, you know, I haven't tried it, but, uh, you know, I imagine it would work. There's, there's a couple things, like you mentioned, DMS, yeah. right? If you haven't fully boiled, uh, you know, for 100 minutes or so, you might be uh, getting a, a, a bit more DMS, you know, especially if you're using a really pale malt. That's, that's one of the things. Uh, same thing in the hop, hop character. If you're using a lot of late hops and you leave it boiling uh, at boiling temperatures, you're really going to, uh, uh, you know, you can start to increase your... Uh, uh, yeah, that was one uh, thing that IBUs as they've well? noticed in the, in the method is that they uh, like no boil hop method they they can can use along with the cube uh, system mm-hmm. where they just they just throw they throw all their hops addition, additions in at the end right. when it's still boiling hot and let it sit overnight right and they get a lot of their IBUs that way right because now, you do get isomerization at yeah. temperatures other than boiling right right now the the interesting thing is. Um, that, that's with that me- method, where you've got a cube that you can sanitize with heat and you're sure it's sanitary. Now, if you're not doing something like that, if you, you're just uh, you know, taking your work, you're putting in a plastic bucket, and you're not covering all the nooks and crannies, uh, right. and you leave it sit there uh, you know, overnight or for a longer period of time, that may be an issue. Now, uh, one thing I used to do uh, before I, I, I came with a, my uh, Whirlpool chiller method um, I would uh, take my loggers, I would chill them down like normal, put them into a conical fermenter, and I would let that sit there pretty much overnight, like 12 hours until, until the temperature of the work could get down to my logger pitching temperature, which is about 43, 44 degrees Fahrenheit. And once it got down to that temperature, I would drop the uh, brake material out the bottom port, and then I'd pitch my yeast. So it would sit overnight uh, without any sort of guarantees as to uh, uh, proper hygiene. Now, um, you know, I, I, I did just fine with that. But, uh, you know, you ha- really have to be careful. And I think most um, brewers are really not being careful enough with, with uh, uh, sanitization, with their hygiene. And uh, what, what was it uh, Michael Lewis was saying? He said, uh, 
you know, if you're not uh, paying attention to sanitation, then what the fuck are you doing? doing? <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah, why are you doing this? He's guy? a perfect personality for the Bruin Network, I'll tell you. Yeah, he, is. He, he would fit right in. The guy's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he, you know if, if you're not doing that basic piece to perfection, you're really shafting yourself on everything else. Now, you shouldn't freak out about it. Um, like some of our friends, yeah. well, I, but uh, you know, you really do need to pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. I guess to go back to the root of the question, you know, why do you need to cool quickly? Well, the reason you need to cool quickly is you, you know, if you don't understand all these other mechanisms that are going on, you know, cooling quickly helps you avoid, you know, poor sanita- you know, poor hygiene, poor sanitation practices because you're cooling through the, you know, the active temperature range for bacteria quickly. Um, if you haven't boiled for DMS, you know all your precursor off. Cooling quickly helps you avoid excess DMS. I mean, it's um, it's it's a so cooling quickly is a is a recommended practice uh, to help you improve the odds of a good batch. But if you understand all the things that uh, are going on in the beer, then you can you know you can select a. How you want to, how you, you know, other or at least other methods for achieving that beer that you know may not involve rapid cooling. Um, you know, cold break is another uh, possibility that comes to mind in terms of protein coagulation. Right. You won't. F- well, all yeah, right. I mean, so, so cold, cold break forms though. It does. Uh, yeah. No matter no matter how rapidly you chill, it it, it isn't a, a rapidity thing. Yeah. It's uh, how cold you get it. So if you get your wort down to 70 degrees, no matter how fast you get it, you get a certain amount of break material. Right. If you then chill it down to 32 degrees, you'll get even more break material. And right. it's really just based on the, the temperature you get it to. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, they, well, I, I won't go off on a tangent there. But. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I, terrible, John. I, I thought that was a good answer. There, John. <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're coming back. Got a lot of questions and a little short on time. Uh, right. We've got another question on the microphone over here. Uh, it's uh, Peter from uh, Sydney, Australia. G'day. Um, I don't agree with what you're saying about all this. <laughs> the no-chill stuff works absolutely fine. I, I, I didn't say it it's didn't work It's a bit scary fine. putting the, the boiling wort into <laughs> the plastic container, but apart from that, you can stick it in the fridge. You don't have to use lots of water which is really important when you've got water restrictions. Uh-huh. Right. I know you guys don't tend to have water restrictions here, but you do in Australia. <laughs> I have, we have them in Pacheco, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. I mean it. I'm not making a joke. We have water restrictions. This is a worry. And that's the reason a why point. they don't shower in, in, <laughs> that's the, right. in the Brewing Network oh, studio. I, I'm, I'm liking your point, Peter. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it's... Um, Whilst it may have some of the downsides that you mentioned, right, right, a right. lot of guys in Australia sure. use the method really right. well. So now, now, now open, don't knock uh, what you haven't done. Open your ears up. You, you, did you hear us knocking it? No, we, we said we haven't, I haven't tried heard it. Any gratuitous book plugging in this we, we, comment we either? We haven't I don't know tried what's it. What's up with you? Right, come on, come on, he's a palm. Yeah, masquerading <laughs> as an Aussie. No, no, no. We, 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 uh, we're saying these are possible issues. But, uh, no, I, I, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work. I think uh, the two things that John brought up, sanitization and DMS, you can get around those things. Uh, you know, with that method, boil long enough, vigorously enough. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you're sanitizing the inside very effectively, I think, with the heat. 
So I think that's good, too. I don't think that's a problem. I think the only problem you really have is kind of, uh, you know, you, you really kind of dial in your hop character and your, your hop uh, bitterness. You know, hop character is something we really uh, go nuts about out here on the West Coast. So uh, that might be a little, little more tricky on that, on that method. Just got one final comment. The, there's a lot of uh, work kits sold in Australia by uh, professional breweries, uh-huh. and this is the method they've used for ages right, right. across a whole range of styles. Uh-huh. But I would agree with you, the amount of time that the hop is on the hot wort is a factor yeah. because you do end up with a, with a very big hop character potentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, thanks, guys. Yeah, You're thank you, question, Peter. Peter. I appreciate it. We've got another question. Uh, one of our listeners we know uh, very well. He happens to be handcuffed, handcuffed to another to listener. Uh, yeah. Blobberglop has, a, I'm told, a serious question. Yeah, yeah. It's a serious question. Hi, guys. Hey, hey Blobber. Um, question about um, German lagers. I was in Germany last year, visited a brewery, and um, the head brewer uh, couldn't insist enough about um, the fact that when they force carbonate, they leave it in the tank, and then they just kind of shut the pressure off. They, uh-huh. they don't let it come. The pressure, uh, they let the pressure rise, yep, right. force carbonate. And uh, he insisted that it was a major, uh, the, uh, uh, one of the big reasons why uh, German beer tasted the way German beer does. And uh, I mean, we've been to Germany. We know what it is in fresh German beer. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, I just want to know what you guys feel about this. Is this is this true? Do you think no. that uh, force carbonating like this in the tank, like he, no, tank he's got carbonation, his, he's got that his makes head a up difference? His ass. I'm sorry, no, <laughs> he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And and one of the things, you know, one of the reasons why they kind of go that route is because the Reinheitsgebot is uh, you know restricts them from injecting carbon dioxide that did not come from beer. So what you'll find in Germany is you know they'll recover the CO2 from fermentation. And store that and then inject that into the beer. Yeah. The CO2 is CO2 is CO2. There's no difference between that. It really doesn't have an effect. Now, if you're talking about bottle conditioning, something like that, um, you know, there is a slight difference there. Uh, but, uh, you know, the CO2 generated and all that, that carbonation is really not uh, any different. It's, you know, whether you trap it during... Uh, uh, conditioning or whether you inject it later on, it's really not going to have an effect. Now, um, you know, the the only thing I would say is that the, the difference is going to be when you start trapping CO2 pressure and the, the partial pressure of CO2 starts to rise, it's going to restrict the yeast from actually doing anything. So it actually... If you ask me, it is inhibiting these from uh, further yeah. development of the beer. Right. So it's it's almost the opposite of what they're assuming it is. And and people have these you know glorified uh, uh, pictures of what you know they've been doing. You know anybody who homebrews, you know they think you know oh I did this so my beer is better. And I I think that's part of it. But it's an excellent question. I, yeah, I like thank that. you. Yeah. Thanks, Blobber. Uh, a couple more questions uh, were uh, entered. Did you want to? Yeah. Do you want to follow up, Palmer? No, well, Palmer doesn't need to talk. I, I've taken over. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I, th- I think also. I mean, the, you're gonna you're gonna trap uh, off gas. You know, I mean, sulfur tends to come off lager fermentations. You'll if they you know, as they cap that off and uh, finish fermentation and uh, for and carbonate that way, they're gonna trap some more sulfur in the beer. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's always, 
you know, it depends, depends on, uh, I on guess, the whole process. But I right. mean, there's always that. I mean, a lot of the I sulfur development is early on, and you know, with yeah. the, the the active fermentation kind of blows that out. And uh, yeah, so. I guess what my, I was going to say is that uh, there's no inherent superiority to it. There's uh, potential for it going, you know, for making it worse. Also, right, right, absolutely. All right, let me try to get in a couple more questions here. I'm going to get this name wrong. I apologize. Uh, Dial Deal from Sydney um, has another, question. Another Aussie. Uh, when using 5.2 in the mash, uh, can or should you uh, should other salts also be added, or can you only use 5.2 on its own? Uh, no, you can add you can add other salts um, if you. I think if you understand, you know, your your water uh, and you're saying to yourself, okay, I don't have enough calcium, I don't have optimum calcium in this water, then uh, adding, you know, 5.2 is not going to fix that necessarily. You may want to add some additional calcium as well. Okay. Uh, let's get one more question in. Um, Dick Hertz is brewing a Lambic and uh, wants to know how you age your hops. How do you age hops? All right. So the, the, the quick and dirty method is, uh, you know, you put them in a brown paper bag. You use whole cone hops, uh, you know, spread them out loose in a, in a brown paper bag, and then uh, put them somewhere real warm. You know, if you have, a, you know, a, a attic or, you know, some, some place where it gets real hot in your house uh, day in, day out, put it up there. The hops will go through this real cheesy phase initially. And if it smells like you know rotten cheese, it's not gone far enough. Right, you got to get past that. Yeah, it gets to a point where it uh, where it, it clears through that. Now the important thing is again, you know, have them loose in that bag. The, the looser they are, the the quicker that stench will get out of there. And if you have them packed as a brick, you're really going to run into a problem there. Yeah. So and the keep thing to them do, out of the light too. Yeah, the the, the thing to do though is to uh, you know you know put some in a bag now and uh, you know throw them out there. Uh, and, you know, next year you'll, you'll be ready to go. A lot of times what you'll find, go ask your homebrew shop, say, hey, you got any leftover stanky old, uh, you know, whole cone hops laying around? And, uh, you know, I went to my homebrew shop and they gave me uh, a couple of pounds. They're like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> you know, knock yourself out. So it's, a, it's not that common a request sometimes, and, and they'll be able to uh, take care of you on that. Yep. All right, those are our questions. Jamil, John, let's go to club night, huh? Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Club night is going to be uh, you know one of the premier events at this conference. If you've never been to an NHC, you must go. It's, yeah, it's I mean, one I, of the I best tell people all the time, beer events possible. Yeah, I tell people all the time. It's like you know, you go to GABF, you have some fantastic beers. I think club night rivals GABF because I mean, people mm-hmm. home brewers are bringing. A wider variety of styles, and they're bringing their best examples of styles mm-hmm. to club night. I mean, and and you know, and non-style beer too. I mean, they're bringing really interesting beers because you know we're all beer lovers, and uh, yeah. they really bring some great stuff to club night. But you know, the thing about GABF is, I mean, it's it's, it's a great event, but it's mainly about the beer. The the really cool thing about the NHC is it's mainly about the people. The beer is point. again the lube that, <laughs> that helps the social intercourse at the conference. As an aside, Jamil gave a cute note speech where he talked about social you know, intercourse. It's not just intercourse, the beer. lubricant, yeah. the fact that I'm not gay. <laughs> 
the fact that you have to state it on stage in front of everybody is the problem. Well, I never had to until I was on the Brewing Network. I don't know. I don't know what happened at that point, but some something yeah. in my life changed, and uh, somehow it's become a concern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow now I, I have to defend myself, but uh, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, clearly. But just uh, like there's nothing wrong with our great sponsor, uh, More Beer. You check them out at uh, www.morebeer.com. They're giving away a great uh, uh, brew system tonight at the club night. Uh, you know, sign up for that, uh, that and get some raffle tickets. And same thing for the Brewing Network. If you're here in the room tonight, get yourself some tickets. They're 10 bucks, but it's a $2,300 stainless system. Well worth uh, taking taking a flyer uh, for ten bucks, and and that money goes to helping the brewing network uh, keep fine brewcasting like this on like the this. air. Yeah. I'm hungry, so buy something. <laughs> All right, yeah, keep them in ram, ramen and condoms. Have a great time. Thanks for being here. Cheers, mate. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Bruce Strong.